I am delighted to bring God's word to you once again today. Been praying and believing God for a powerful service this day as we continue in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit. And today, in particular, we focus on the attribute of joy. Today's sermon title is Reflecting the Joy of the Lord. And as Christians, I believe that we should be one great big spiritual mirror reflecting the joy of God Almighty. I think back to a mission trip I was on in 1996 as a teenager and my first chance on the mission field in Monterey, Mexico. I was a teenager and there was many other teenagers on the trip and sometimes teenagers would fight amongst one another and I just remember one of the teenagers over and over again he kept on saying I'm not in a good mood. I mean, he would just literally just lay on his air mattress day after day and say, I'm not in a good mood. Now think about this, a play on words. I think a man named Elder Chuck King, I think, finally had enough of it. And he looked at this teenager. After one more time, he said, I'm not in a good mood. Elder Chuck King looked at him and said, well, get in one, man. (laughs) And with it then, I, I learned at a young age that indeed, joy is a choice. As Christians, I believe we truly should be demonstrating the joy of the Lord within our hearts. So somebody today needs to turn that frown upside down. I know it's harder for me to get my lip down than to smile. Everybody look at their neighbor and smile. Show the joy of the Lord today. One thing I noticed about Pastor Joel Olstein as he's preaching, he always has a smile on his face. He always has joy. And there was another pastor named Pastor Dave Brownfield, and I mean, he literally got on people when they didn't have the joy of the Lord. Always wanting people to smile. Always wanted to cut up. That was Pastor Dave Brownfield who served in our denomination. Absolutely. I know that I know that the Lord is going to bring his presence and his joy to our hearts and lives this very day. You can turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. We've been dealing with this passage of Scripture and we'll continue to in our series, The Fruit of the Spirit. But plain and simple, I'll read the Scriptures from the NIV. They're on the projector. 
if you don't have a Bible handy. But Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23 reads like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the Apostle Paul identifies nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. And he also identifies that there is no government law against these attributes. And Lord willing, I want to pray and believe that the government would never outlaw these nine attributes that we know is the fruit of the Spirit. And as we focus on the word joy, I'm sure that you'll probably get a lot of joy as I try to identify the Greek word for joy. Pastor Ed's laughing because we've had a talk about this Greek word. And this Greek word is spelled close to the word chair. And I'll go ahead and spell it for you first. It's C-H-A-R-A. And to the best of my ability, not being a full-blown Greek scholar, I'll just give it a shot. This word is pronounced, I believe, kara. The Greek word for kara or for joy is kara. In addition to the word joy, it also means gladness. I want to tell you, church, we need a little kara here at First Church of the Nazarene. We need gladness in our church in our corporate worship. Now as we we unpack this, the word joy, rejoicing, gladness, it all ties together. Having the joy of the Lord. And I know that God Almighty wants us to really think about this word joy as the King James Version mentions it 165 times. So I've read up on this. Just the book of Philippians alone mentions it 16 times. The joy and rejoicing. God wants us as Christians to have joyful spirits. You know, I've shared this acronym before about joy and I want to share it a little bit differently today. I learned this acronym as a very young child, so if you work with children, absolutely. Your work is valuable, and and you may not know the impact that you make on their lives, and you may see the fruit of it even years to come. I think about Teresa Allen teaching me this acronym at a young age at New Life Christian Church on Dayton Street when I was very young. 
And doing a little craft on this, I never forgot it. Joy. Simply spoken. Jesus, others, you. As we think about that acronym, Jesus. And let me tell you just plain and simply, if Jesus is not first in your life today, you're not going to have joy. After all, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If God's not first in your life, if he's not number one in your life today, no joy. You may be happy, you may feel like you're having a good time, but you won't have the joy of the Lord. Jesus has got to be first. Others. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 tells us to bear ye one another's burdens. We have got to have a priority to help other people, even before our own needs. And I believe that, unfortunately, many Christians put other things or other people before the Lord. Again, priorities, having it out of order. Other people, other things. It's got to come second to Christ. And thirdly, you. Now, I know, I know that it's very important that we take care of ourselves. I know for myself, I go to work almost every day of the week. Very important. But still, though, Jesus has got to be first in my life. Amen. Other people's needs has got to come second, and myself third. As you think about it, then, Jesus demonstrated this on the cross. Jesus certainly put aside his own needs and his own desires when he bore the cross at Calvary. So very quickly, I want to go over three verses that are key that talk about joy. First off, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, part B, says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Last part of that verse. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And today, if you want to be strong spiritually, you have to have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I like find that verse in the book of Nehemiah. And then as we look at the one verse in Psalms, in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, part B. 
One of my favorite scriptures, and definitely my favorite scripture when it comes to joy, the psalmist writer writes in Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, part B, the King James Version says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. And today, church, if you want to have joy to the fullest, you have to get in the presence of the Lord. If you're not in the presence of the Lord on a regular basis, you will not experience the fullness of joy. Don't miss out on the greatest forms of joy that the Lord has for you. Be in His presence on a daily basis. Pray to Him. Seek Him. Enjoy the fullness of joy in the presence of God Almighty. King David prayed a prayer of repentance in Psalms chapter 51, verse 12, part A, the first part of that verse. And he prayed with a very sincere heart after committing adultery with Bathsheba, the cover-up, having Uriah murdered, all these things. He knew he had done wrong. And so he prayed to the Lord with a sincere heart. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, church, sin will rob us of the joy of the Lord. But when we come to the Lord with a sincere heart of repentance, not to repeat the sin again, truly, the joy of the Lord can be restored. And I believe that it's not just sin that robs us of our joy. There's many things in this life that we can allow to take our joy away. I was saddened in my spirit once when I heard of a pastor's wife that had lost her joy. And you know, as Christians, sometimes there comes to a point where we may lose the joy of the Lord. And today as we focus on the attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, I believe that somebody will have the joy of the Lord restored fully and completely today. And it is then that you will be able to reflect the joy of the Lord for all the world to see. Now as I read through many scriptures and and thinking about all the healings that took place in the Gospels, still I felt like a better place even to look at where the Lord did a great healing would be in Acts chapter 3. So in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, we see a story about a lame man healed. And I'll deal with Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. This passage of Scripture reads like this. It's on the projectors if you don't have your Bible handy. 
Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. And so as we unpack these 11 verses in Acts chapter 3, for obvious reasons, I picked this verse where we see the Lord doing a great work in this man that was lame and unable to walk from the time that he was born. First off, we see that it was the ninth hour where Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. Now, the Jews observed three key times throughout the day where they would go to the temple and pray. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., and at sunset. It wasn't just limited to the Jews. Both Jews and Gentiles would often go to the temple and pray at these times, those that believed in God. And it was about 3 p.m. in the afternoon where Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. The temple gate probably wasn't ugly because it was named Beautiful. And there at the temple was a lame man sitting there begging for money. The lame man asked Peter and John for money. He caught their attention and thought that he was about to receive money from them. 
Peter began to speak to the lame man. And he said, silver and gold have I none. Can I tell you, church, today, that this lame man was about to receive something far greater than money. And Peter continued to speak to this lame man, and he said to him, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. How many of you know that there is power in the name of Jesus? And Peter took him by the hand, and immediately he had strength in his bones, of his feet and his ankles. And at this point in time, this lame man who was unable to walk his entire life, he didn't just mope into the temple. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. That's not what the lame man did. That lame man began to walk. And that lame man began to have a little bit of a skip to his feet. That lame man walked into the temple. And he began to start jumping around in the temple. Worshipping and praising God Almighty. See, that lame man was healed. And it brought the joy of the Lord within him. Those in the temple knew that it was the lame man who had been unable to walk his whole life. And they sat there amazed. Wow. You know, church, if we're serving the Lord to the very best of our abilities and praying to Him and seeking Him and we're praying for miracles to happen, should we really be that amazed when He hears and answers our prayers? Sure, absolutely. Praise God Almighty. But should you be amazed in the fact that was there an expectation that it was not going to happen? Lame man healed. Full of joy. And he was praising the Lord. You know, church, we, this applies to us too. Yeah, and I believe full-heartedly that when we see God's healing demonstrated... We can and should be full of the joy of the Lord. How many of you know we serve a great healer? We serve the one who made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the mute to speak. 
Jesus Christ can still heal those who are unable to walk. Jesus spit in the the sand and made clay and rubbed it in the blind man's eyes. He washed it out in the pool of Siloam and then all of a sudden he was able to see. That's our God. Jesus can still open deaf ears those who are unable to hear at this time. And those that are unable to speak, He can still enable to talk. I want to tell you, church, even if the healing doesn't come, that doesn't steal my joy. Even if the healing doesn't come, I know that there's a reason and a purpose for the sickness. I know we serve a God who's more than able to heal us of all forms of sickness and diseases. But even if he waits and says, not my time right now, I still trust in him. I still believe in him. Because we serve a God who saves, heals, delivers, and restores. Even if my loved one still continues to not serve the Lord. That doesn't take my joy from me. Even if someone still battles addictions that I pray for, that doesn't take my joy. I'm still going to reflect the joy of the Lord. I want to close with four points today. Reflecting the joy of the Lord. Those of you watching online today, I haven't forgotten about you in your living rooms, wherever you are, in your car, whatever it may be. Those watching online today, may the Lord touch your hearts and lives this very day and may you reflect the joy of the Lord of God Almighty. Four closing points. The first one. Our joy should reflect that our sins are forgiven. Price paid in full on the cross on Calvary. Our joy should reflect that each and every one of our sins has been paid for and that we've accepted God's grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. And we've made Christ our Lord and Savior. Does your joy reflect that your sins are forgiven? The second point I want to bring before you. Joy. Does your joy reflect that Christ rose from the grave. You know, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you today, church, and I believe full-heartedly that many Christians, their joy doesn't reflect that we serve a risen Savior. If I didn't know better, I would think based on people's reactions and the way some Christians live that Christ is still in the tomb. Praise God Almighty. May our joy reflect 
that Christ rose from the grave. The third point I want to bring before you. Our joy should reflect that we have a bright future in heaven. Again, some Christians' reflections, you would think that they were going to hell in a handbasket by the way some of them live. Miserable, down in the dumps. If it's not one thing, it's another. Oh, woe is me. Church, this is as bad as it gets. And these are the hardest days that you'll ever have to face. Christ is your Lord and Savior. You have a a great big future, a bright future in heaven with God Almighty for all eternity. And finally, my fourth point I want to bring before you. Our joy should reflect that we are ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Does your joy reflect that indeed you are ready to evangelize and you're ready to tell the world about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? The world's seen enough bad news at 5 o'clock. You see enough bad things happen. There's enough bad reports to go around for everyone and then some. Our world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And finally, in closing, I want to say that I believe full-heartedly that we as Christians should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. Reflect the joy of the Lord. Church, would you stand at this time? There's different ways I thought about closing this service. But it was very clear to me early on this week when I heard the song on the radio by Phil Wickham, The House of the Lord. And if you haven't heard this song before, the words will be on the projectors. I don't know all the words to this song. I'm just going to let the projector play. But I know the gist of this song, what Phil Wickham and his worship team is trying to portray. And over and over again, they sing this resounding anthem. There is joy in the house of the Lord.